0: Good afternoon, the back community. Thank you, as always, for staying involved, and thank you for staying engaged. Uh, uh, This afternoon's guest is actually Mr. Joshua McLeod. My man Josh is what I'm going to be calling him for the rest of this interview. Uh, First things first, even before I get too far into it, thank you for this delivery today that came right on time, right before we started, the tipping point. Uh, uh, I appreciate you sending that to me. And this is definitely going to be, uh, uh, next book up in my rotation.
1: No doubt. No doubt. Thank you for having me, man. And i I hope you enjoy that for real.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've heard a number of good things about, uh, uh the tipping point and, and I, I will definitely let you know, uh, uh, as I doggy up that book, it's going to have a whole <laughs> bunch of, uh, 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 markings all over it, but anywho, but, okay. uh, today's interviewee is going to be Josh and, um, the way I like to start these interviews off, Mr. McLeod, is to one give you the opportunity to tell the back community more about you. I'm still learning about you, as we were talking about offline, man. It is like, so uh, I know that you've always been a positive person. You've always been a dynamic for, uh, force, but I think it's very important to highlight you and what it is that you do. You grew up in the same areas as me. Might not be from there originally, as I just learned. But like I said, man, um, uh, seeing individuals that look like you and I uh, come from where we come from is very important. So I can't wait to dive into your story. Uh, Sorry for the long introduction, but uh, uh, Josh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to tell your story today. Thanks for being on the back community.
1: No, no, no doubt. Thank you. I appreciate you having me here and putting this platform. Um, I've been watching you for a while. Uh, I think that what you do is incredibly valuable, not only to Albany but to anybody else that's trying to find inspiration. So I appreciate you having me.
0: Oh man, thank
1: you, thank you. And that,
0: yeah, I'm glad you just mentioned that. Thank you for that because a lot of our audience actually is outside of the Capital District area, which is great, which just lets us know that you know our stories uh, that we uh, experience. Uh, in the Capital district area is not limited to just the Capital district area so for those who actually choose to tune in you you'll learn you know what i mean somebody else's uh a journey to become or to get to uh, where they are right now And we have a lot of, we have a lot more in common than what separates us so i'm glad yeah. but yeah yeah well listen man i i can't wait to get all up into your story uh, uh I, I see you got the black men Build. Uh, a t-shirt on right there. I'm, I'm coming back to that, but that's not where I'm going to start that today. Today, uh, uh, Josh, uh, I know who you are. I want to give you the opportunity to tell the back community more about you. So my first question for you is, uh, what kind of work do you do? And then uh, after that, I'll give you my second question. So here's your opportunity to tell us more
1: about you, sir. No, no doubt. So I'm in supply chain logistics consulting. Um, back in 2021, uh, at the height of COVID, you know, a lot of people started losing their jobs or whatever. And I decided after six or seven years working in buying, purchasing and supply chain that I had developed enough experience to kind of branch out and do my own thing. And not only that, but there's more of a benefit for smaller businesses. I enjoy bringing more of that value back to a smaller business than a larger corporation. So right now I'm working with a small wine distributor out of South Florida. And generally what I do is I come in and I evaluate their entire business from conception, deciding what products they want to sell to getting those products into their distribution, distribution center and then out into their supply chain and then being able to reevaluate that and find out the best way to optimize their businesses to bring in more revenue, bring in higher quality, and basically generally make better decisions. Um, so as a profession, that's currently what I'm doing. The company is called Shoreside Purchasing Company. Okay, okay.
0: Uh, All right, Let, I, I, got, I got tons of questions for that one. Yeah. Uh, just,
1: let's go, let's go.
0: Because uh, whenever you hear a uh, 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 supply chain for me, it automatically sets off uh, somewhat of a little trigger because uh, through the global pandemic, it seems like all of the su- uh, supply chains have been affected, whether you're in glass industry, paper industry, uh, construction, I mean, lumber, almost all of these uh, different areas have been affected. Uh, how, has, how has the pandemic uh, affected you in the food and beverage uh, industry? And how has it affected you? Because uh, you already pr- uh, provide services within the supply chain.
1: So one of the biggest challenges for us, you know, generally most hospitality and food and beverage um, institutes and businesses have very small windows, you know, for their inventory. They generally don't keep a lot of stuff on hand. So a lot of businesses had to take on more additional inventory to make sure that they could supply their customers. A lot of businesses actually went under because they don't have the goods to be able to get to their customers. So those businesses that did survive had to get more creative in the ways that they forecast and be more efficient in the ways that they use their resources. Um, And particularly in the wine industry, you know, you bring in wine from France and Italy, what would have normally taken 60 to 70 days to get to you is now taking 85 to 90 days. Mm -hmm. And that that can be a disaster for business, especially down here in South Florida, where our main industry is tourism. You know, you don't have the luxury like you—you uh, you have a wedding tonight. <laughs> you can't wait two and a half weeks for your wine to get here. You know what I mean? So it—it—it it, it required a lot of evolution from a lot of businesses in order to make it through. Yeah,
0: mm. uh, like I said, because as as soon as I as soon as I hear supply chain, I just think about how everything has been uh, uh disrupted. Uh, Absolutely. And so so to hear um. Uh, to hear that, how that experience has also affected you and your industry. Um, uh, I definitely wanted to, uh, I, I wanted to pick your brain on it because, yeah, um, yeah it, it, it affects everything, man. It, it, we wanted to do some additional uh, renovations on a house up there in Albany that we actually put off. Uh, uh because you know construction and lumber costs are, are out of this world so your overall cost for the people you're going to be doing the work is going to be higher so you know the supply chain is always affected um, but um as, especially for you imagine if if if, 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 if I am a a, a liquor a, a connoisseur uh, because I drink you know what I mean or, or wine in, 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 uh, in, in your case you know but imagine if I'm coming to your your establishment, and you guys don't have it. Not only do you not have it that time, but you don't have it when I come back in a week or in two yeah. weeks. That's a, that's a, that's a customer uh, gone because I'm like, listen, uh, my taste for what I'm drinking hasn't gone away. You just can't give it right now. So I can imagine it's affected a lot of businesses uh, uh, throughout this global pandemic uh, 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 and that we're still in.
1: Even especially, especially the beverage industry. You know, because there's an inverse relationship between when things get bad and people drink more alcohol. So, you know, you have wine distributors and liquor distributors that are being, you know, their demand has gone through the roof, you know, Mm. so it becomes very difficult to to, to supply that demand. But on the other side, going back to your point about the supply chain, the inability to get stuff from overseas has created a lot of opportunities domestically for Mm. people to produce locally. You know what I mean? Um, you see at Target, you know, the big pressure on things like soaps, shampoos, deodorants, things like that has created an opportunity for small um, creatives and small manufacturers and small homegrown local people to start doing their business. Like I've seen a couple of your interviewees that started their business during that time. They benefited directly from those supply chains. So you have benefits and then you have um you know pros and cons both ways
0: and and once again I like that you said that too because the pandemic hasn't been all bad right Mm -hmm. uh so if it's all about your uh, creativity how you adjust to the times and you know whether or not if if you make the necessary adjustments there's one thing that's common uh uh, for all of us and that is change now whether Mm -hmm. or not just with the changes or not could be the success or failure of your business could be the success or failure of whatever it, but you gotta, you gotta change with the times. And if you don't, like I said, you can be very easily left behind. Um, and, um, something that you had just said just made me think about, um, um, how I, I think it was, um, uh, working for, uh, I mean, I mean, for, for smaller businesses, uh, one, uh, it's giving, uh, it's given an opportunity for others to be able to uh, to, uh, to step in because the, the supply chain is blocked up. So you might not be able to get, uh, inventory for all these other places, but like I said, so that's one of the other positives uh, that have come up if you are prepared. So I like to tell everybody, mm-hmm. stay ready so you don't got to get ready. So if the opportunity presents itself, you know you're ready to take uh, a full advantage of it, and um, a lot of people have been uh, devastated because they didn't have the infrastructure um, in place. But um, okay, okay, uh, that makes me feel good now. That makes me feel good. <laughs> actually do. So yeah, okay. yeah, okay, all right. That's gonna lead me to question number two. Uh, Kind of passion projects uh, are you involved in or, or, or working on? Um, I know earlier I said I was gonna I was gonna be coming back to uh, that shirt that you have on. Mm. And Black Men Build is a uh, very intriguing. So uh, 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 please do uh, uh, tell me more about Black Men Build. How you got involved with Black Men Build, and 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 what's the mission? What's the goal?
1: No, for sure, for sure. So you know, a few years ago during the, right after COVID, you know, you had the George Floyd uprisings and everybody started to feel, you know, you had one of two choices. You could either try to get involved and make things better or you could shy away and try to avoid things. You know, and for a while I had already been feeling like I needed to give back to my community. I had been, you know, most people that know me, I've always kind of been involved in something, you know, whether it was Sara as a kid, the museum squad in Albany, you know, I always try to, to get involved where I can help. And I heard a brother speak down here in South Florida about what his initiative was. It was uh, Roots Black House down here, it was a small little um, incubator for small Black businesses. And through him, I wound up getting connected with Black Men Build. So Black Men Build was an organization that was born out of those uprisings. You know, there were a bunch of activists throughout the country that recognized that as Black men, we had a very unique experience. And in order to make the best of that experience and be better for our communities, we had to really take a look in words. You know, a lot, of, a lot of conversations we're not involved in. A lot of political discussions we're not involved in. A lot of what goes on in our community as individuals, we may have a say, but as a group, we're generally not involved in that conversation. So Black Men Build came in to handle both an internal redevelopment and also an external redevelopment of us as Black men. Um, black Men Build primarily operates through, through hubs throughout the country. Uh, we're in St. Louis, we're in Atlanta, uh, D.C., New York, Milwaukee, St. Louis, and we got a couple of other places. Um, but it focuses, and it, the primary focus has been to build us into better men to be better for ourselves and also for our community. One of the ways that, um, like I've been drawn into it, one of the things that we do is it hosts a men's circle. And it's something that I had never been a part of, you know what I mean? And the men's circle is a safe space, if you will, for black men across the entire spectrum of our expressions, you know, regardless of whether or not you're from the streets or whether you're in college, whether you're educated, whether you're uneducated, whether you're cisgendered, or whether you have another preference. You know, all of us come together in this space to examine ourselves as men and begin to challenge and question the things that we've internalized. You know, a lot of issues that we're dealing with come from inherited trauma or poor response management. You know, so we come together to try to evaluate that because you, in order for you to be better for your family and for your community, you need to understand yourself. So, yeah, so so like I said, the one portion is us building ourselves as better men. The second is trying to figure out what the needs are in our community. Black Men Builders, it's, it's a local political organization, but it's built around the needs of the community in which it exists, you know? So you may, you may have seen on my Instagram, you know, we're out working with the Smile Trust, you know, giving food and clothing to the houseless. We've got a new free clinic that's going to open up on the 26th to serve mm. the community in Liberty City. We got assorted classes. we brothers that have skills. You know, you're giving those skills out to other people. We've got brothers that are really good at talking. We got brothers that play chess. We got brothers that understand media and crypto. And you're giving those skills out to try to build your community and make us able to operate in these spaces where we haven't really been able to be successful. Mm
0: -hmm. So we're kind of
1: building on each other.
0: I love it. I love it. As soon as as you sent me the information for it, you know, uh, I I did did get a chance uh, to check it out. I think I now follow uh, uh, Black Men Build as well as Black Men uh, Miami. Um, and then there's also, uh, the quarterly, uh, a, a news, uh, a letter or quarterly magazine as well, uh, wartime, you know, mm-hmm. so, I, so I was, uh, I was thoroughly impressed, uh, <laughs> with it because as black men, it is important, uh, to one, um, be able to associate yourself with other individuals that look just like you, that you can learn from. I always say that we learn from the successes and failures of individuals who look just like us. So mm-hmm. it's it, Important to see people that look like us in other spaces that, uh, that we can actually uh, emulate, learn from, build with, grow with, cry with. And as men, uh, uh, traditionally those spaces uh, haven't been provided for us. And then, you know, sometimes even us as men, uh, we don't realize that we need that outlet because we've been programmed to, Oh, don't have feelings, don't have emotions. So you know, I mean, you mentioned the word trauma. As soon as you said trauma, I thought about Richard Smith. You know, what I mean, so it's just like you know, we have all of these experiences that are uh, that are on our backs. And then, as the men, as the leader of the house, you know, we're expected to be happy, healthy, and whole. But if not dealt with properly, uh, um, uh, through healing, through therapy, through time, through space, through God, whatever it is that measures for you, you know, what I mean, it. Prohibits us from being uh, the best version of ourselves that ultimately I think most of us want to get to, and it's just how we get there um, um, that that makes a difference for a lot of us.
1: Yeah, and 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 with particularly with the men's circle, what it does is it allows us; to, it, it takes us out of environments where you know we're we're used to performing a certain way around people. You know what I mean? Too often we are fulfilling a role as opposed to fulfilling ourselves. You know, we don't, nobody asks us how we're feeling. That wasn't a discussion that you would have when we were kids, when we would go to the boys and girls club, nobody cares how you feel. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to talk to you about what's going through your head. And for the 80, for those of us that grew up in the 80s and the 90s, that was really a missing, it's a missing link, you know, because there was a lot of stuff that went, hap- that happened that we had nobody to talk to about. So what this kind of allows us to do it, you, you can talk to other people that went through it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you can, you can find out, you know, we, whatever your response is to what you went through, you can find out that other people went through it and you can find out whether or not the way that you're coping is healthy, whether That's- or not you can, you can learn from other people. Um, so it's, it's, it's a very positive environment that I had never, I had never experienced. You know what I mean? The closest thing that I got to that was talking to a mentor or something, some, some individual saying, how are you doing?
0: Mm. But as
1: opposed, but us as peers, okay. you know what I mean? It, it, I never experienced it. It,
0: it. it puts me in the mindset of what, uh, uh me, Scooby, Malcolm and Antoine and them were doing with the model program years ago. Uh, so when you talk about the men's circle, like, uh, on, on, we used to meet with our students and model the mentoring program, uh, on Mondays and Wednesdays on top of whatever other events that we were doing, but Mondays were dedicated to a particular topic, uh, uh, that, uh, engaged us, uh, in dialogue and we would have open conversations, whether it's relationships, you know what I mean? Whether it's a professional <laughs> Uh, but it was important for these young men that were 12 to 18-year-olds to be able to, one, converse among each other as peers, but to also see men that look like them uh, explain to them their journeys, their uh, their struggles. And I think it's there's a lot of power in it. And I wish that most of us, uh, more of us, would take uh, uh, more of an opportunity to actually get involved in those spaces and those conversations. Because once you start talking, you realize you have a lot more to talk and a lot more to say to get out, but you be thinking that there's no place uh for it. And there's a lot of places for it, especially right now, even with COVID. Sometimes you don't even physically gotta go anywhere anymore, man. You yeah, sit there yeah. I'm gonna get off work or I'm gonna get out of school, I'm gonna log right on into the uh, to the Zoom or to this Teams meeting and boom, I'm I'm connected with all of these different people. So uh I it's a it's a blessing that uh a uh, black men builds. Um, are actually uh, are creating those spaces. You also talked about some of the things that you guys are bringing to not only your community, but every spot that you guys have a hub in, you know what I mean? It, it's from it's grassroots. So it's, it's from the bottom up. And it takes us, it takes individuals who care, who are a part of it to be a part of the solution, right? There might be 10,000 problems, obviously that we got to fix and we can't fix them all. But as we start to uh, look at the micro- uh, uh level problems we mm. do one time and keep moving on to the next one and each person that's a part of the process is helping the overall uh picture so synergy the sum of the whole is greater than any of the individual parts
1: and absolutely like
0: each one of us have to do our part but yeah that's <laughs> what yeah <You> there? <laughs> yeah well let me see ma'am uh, 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 you know i like to uh, ask these questions uh to my interviewees as well uh but um uh, what was life like for you growing up in the capital district area? I think uh, uh, you might have alluded to uh, offline that uh, are you from uh, Oakland originally. I'd never do that.
1: Yeah. So I was born in Oakland. You know, my mother and my father met over in Oakland. Nice. You know, I was born and then they wound up making their way back to Albany because my mother was originally born. Her family is from Albany. They've been there for like two or three generations. Um, so yeah, I was born in Oakland, but I was raised in North Albany projects. Uh, we got there 80, 86 before that I was living on Clinton Ave and I was raised in North Albany. Um, it was a mix, you know what I mean? Some of the most, the the happiest memories I've ever had in my life, like things that have defined who I am as a person now, like my love for outdoors, I discovered back in North Albany. Um, but at the same time, you know, the eighties and nineties were a very tough time in Albany. And, you know, a lot of that stuff carries its way through and you had to, to adjust. You had to learn how to, to, to deal with those things. But, you know, riding my bike around Brady Ave to McGuire or up Livingston Ave, you know, there's, there's nothing quite like the feelings that we had. I mean, or even the Boys and Girls Club, mm-hmm. you know, uh, even in the midst of everything that was going on, there wasn't nothing, anything else like sitting on the, the, the stoop eating mm-hmm. the, the white paper bag lunch with everybody else in your neighborhood, man. It's, it's, it's a blessing.
0: Nice, nice. Listen, man, you, yeah. Yeah, it almost felt like, it almost felt like you made me want to cry because it was like, it was so nostalgic, all of the things you were just going, uh, uh, going through, you know, Brady Ave, you know I mean? Mm-hmm. I think Zo, uh, Zo, uh, Zo Verbo talked about that before, you know I mean? Uh, hanging out there, every part of the city had something productive uh, for us to do. I uh, want to go uh, uh, sit down somewhere at a park and 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 uh, do the music mobile. Whether you were going to the bo- the Boys and Girls Club, uh, 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 if you wanted to do tennis, you were doing 15 love. There were so many um pockets, no matter where you went to. If you wanted to be uptown, downtown, out north, for us to get involved in. And um, I'm I'm happy to hear uh you say that because you know yeah. what I mean. We don't see it as much anymore. And I, I spoke uh, to the mayor about that too. Uh, when we were talking about programming uh, uh, in, uh, in the Capital District area or in Albany uh, that we were focusing on for her. But it was, you know, uh, we talked about a time period where there used to be so many programs, a vast amount of programs uh, that were available. And it was just like, you know, where did, uh, where did all those programs uh, uh, go? So, but it's hearing you speak, me. Maybe- think about it all over again and maybe
1: <laughs> yeah yeah that's right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah nah yeah those the, all of those programs you know 4-H you know the the basketball program which I wasn't a part of because I was too skinny and <laughs> I had asthma so I, well, I never became a baller but you know all of that stuff was available um but again like it's 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 interesting because the disappearance of those programs allows us to move it it means that we got to step up, you know what I mean? The federal government provided those programs for, the, for a limited amount of time. We got used to it. And unfortunately, we never had the means to be able to keep it. But I see it as it's it's it, it was a, um, a double-edged sword. It, it hurt to have that stuff disappear. But at the same time, we know we, didn't, we need to provide. You know, we have to be able to make it happen because it ain't. it's, it's not going to make itself happen uh which is why i get really excited and i get really inspired seeing brothers like you and twigs and jamal uh jamel you know everybody out here making it happen you know what i mean like like that that stuff was gone like it was given to us but it wasn't ours but that's what y'all yeah
0: yeah yeah it's important i think um um Play uh, uh, Patrick Robinson. I interviewed him in season one, and one of the things he was just talking about, hearing his story, was just like, because one, he's older than me, so hearing his story, he had so many more connections, and it was just like, yo, nah. He said, he said, he said, real uh, down at the softball field, every team was put together by owners of the different uh, of restaurants and bars that we had in Albany, and it was just like, it was that type of atmosphere, so. Yeah. But, yeah, when we when we don't have those uh, spaces or people anymore, it does create an opportunity for more of us to step up. But, yeah. you know, it's hard for some people who have never experienced it, right? That's because, true. you know, that's why I always talk about this nostalgic feeling. Because some people have never experienced it. So they that's don't, at uh, Albany or the Capital District, you know what I mean, it used to look different. It was just like, yo, know, there was always something to do. So I remember that. I would go from uptown to downtown. It'll be on Elizabeth Street a basketball tournament going on down there. I'll leave there, go uptown, and go to the new courts. And and I wasn't much of playing basketball either. I was going to all of these events to go hang out with the ladies that was there for the most part. <laughs> but you know, I, I would go from uptown to downtown. But there were all types of events. You go to Green Street Park, you know what I mean? And and there was always something. So it was always live. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Let me see. Um, And I I know you said um, uh, 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 what your passion project uh, uh, is and and what you're doing with uh, Black Men Build. I know you also told us about your career, but uh, uh, how did you how did you uh, get involved in the the food and beverage uh, industry?
1: So it kind of was on a like on a hammer. Like I had worked in office services for a law firm for a while. And while I was working for them, I started to develop, like I got bored. So I started trying to find things that I could do while I was there. And I developed a knack for forecasting and purchasing. And one day yeah, I was like, okay, how do I, how do I take this particular skill and, and make something out of it? Because I'm just sitting here stuck doing nothing. So, you know, I started looking for purchasing or buyer or something along those lines. And I wound up working for the Hilton hotel down here as, um, purchasing manager. And from there, I wound up getting an understanding of working with vendors, working with products and understanding that quality type of stuff. And I liked it. I mean, I'm a small dude, but I like to eat. So I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I can, I can just kind of transfer this over, you know, do what I like and, and make some money while I do it. And eventually that wound up becoming a little bit more specialist as a food and beverage buyer. So I wound up working with various companies managing their relationships with meat suppliers or bread and dry goods or candies or coca-cola whatever um all of these different products and i just wound up enjoying that particular niche and now i'm in wine so that that yeah that's a whole nother thing
0: (laughs) okay yeah man I'm i'm about to say you know uh uh, I, 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 you you have to start recommending uh, 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 some wine uh, uh, for me to go ahead and test out. I don't typically find too much wine puts me to sleep. I don't know yeah. why, definitely. <laughs> but uh, I know I know my wife uh, enjoys wine, and uh, but I, I, uh, she really wants to go to uh, one of the wine vineyards, which is one of the other reasons why I was saying off air. You know, we're probably going to be in California again pretty soon.
1: But uh, yeah, I was going to recommend you take a trip over to Sonoma like there's mm-hmm. not even if you even if you just drive up to wine country and just hit like it's like a few hours hit one winery, you will not regret it. Um, and what's kind of very, really, really interesting is, you know, a lot of folks that typically were drinking hard liquor, you know, brown or white or what have you they're branching over into wine because it's a completely different type of experience people are getting away as we get older we're leaving the club you know you're not drinking wine in a club you're drinking liquor um so people are starting to enjoy and find and appreciate their time a little bit more and for me that's uh, that's why i like wine because that's what it means it, it, wine is a way to enjoy your time and like create memories
0: i like that without without getting wasted exactly
1: so, exactly <laughs> those days are long gone
0: <laughs> i had a friend who just uh um i got a group chat down here with some of my frat brothers but one of them had just mentioned like thank you guys you know what I mean, for putting me on to uh bourbon right mm. and just like he said i have finally learned how to taste right yes. so <laughs> Uh, for, the, for the sake of drinking and getting drunk and being explosive. It's just like, no, I'll learn how to taste to enjoy it and, uh, you know what I mean, and enjoy my environment that I'm in without uh, um, allowing it to go negative. But yeah, learning how to taste is, 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 is important.
1: And that was actually one of the, the, the other reasons why I wound up getting the food. When I first came down here to Miami, I was kind of all over the place. I was still a little bit scrambled, so it was tough for me to find time to focus. So after a couple of years, like it was anxiety or whatever. And one of my therapies, if you will, was teaching myself how to make spaghetti sauce like from scratch. So, because it takes time, you know, you mm-hmm. got to push everything else out. And when I was learning how to do this, slashing the tomatoes to removing the seeds and all of that, and hour was two passes um, and wine became a part of that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, so that's, that, that was when I wound up Adopting uh five one eight.
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I I said I knew my man had a love for food but I, I didn't yeah. understand origin and its roots mm. but yeah um uh, 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 that's a, uh, uh, that's amazing that's amazing so but yeah I didn't I didn't understand the food uh yeah. the by origin but I'm glad that I, I understand it now and yeah. I'm glad um a better reference point uh as to uh uh, where you fit in because ultimately it sounds like to me you're the plug so you know i mean as a as um in uh, in the food and beverage industry like you said you know part of it is is being able to get your inventory in and out and to be able to make sure that you know uh, your business uh uh, stays afloat right Mm. and Connections and relationship building with other people is a huge part of that, as well uh, um, uh, as well as the, uh, the the supply chain. But being mm-hmm. able to have connections, being able to have those relationships, being able to uh, foster those relationships is really is is really what helps a lot of businesses to succeed. And sometimes people people don't understand how important it is to have relationships to build, to grow with other people, to to make connections. So that, that way, if it is a drought, you got a plug to go to. So yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Now, You
1: know, what I mean, Josh is the plug to go to. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, nah, no doubt, yeah, man. It's um, managing those relationships is usually eighty to eighty-five percent of my business. You know, it determines whether or not your business grows or it doesn't grow. Um, and it's it's a skill that has to be learned. Some people, you know, some people are natural connectors. Some people have, you know, aren't so great at it, Um, but it definitely can make or break you.
0: Okay, Okay. and hearing uh, hearing you just uh, say that, and going back to that earlier reference of the book, The Tipping Point, it's making me uh, uh, wonder, um, did I tell you about the book Contagious at all?
1: You mentioned it briefly, but you didn't tell me what it was about.
0: Okay, all right, so, uh, one, I got put on to Contagious by, uh, rest in peace, uh, uh, Nip Hustle the Great. Um, Sean, sure, you know, sure. Huge fan of Nip. so Mr. Um, laces. Yeah, man. Uh, and hearing about how he came up with the whole idea for um, uh, selling his mixtape at the price that, uh, that he ended up doing for the Crenshaw Project, it came from this book, Contagious. And when I went back and I, I read the book and it's a whole book on, on, on marketing and mm. it's, it's how to make things go viral. It's how to um, you know, set trends and there's different things to look for. And it was just like some sometimes we don't we don't I don't think that we understand how big marketing is. I don't mm. think that we understand that, you know, you know, this is a billion dollar industry. You know, what I mean, they're targeting us. Uh, uh, in ways that we think that we're smart consumers, but we're being targeted. Like reading Contagious helped me to realize, it was like, Tyrell don't fall for the sale all of the time, right? It was just like, you know, sometimes we see something that says, ooh, 50% off or 40% off or 80% off. It's a, it's a full blowout, right? And most of us as consumers, we would often think that this is the great time for me to go ahead and buy. This is, this I, I have to get it now, it's on sale. I don't know when it's ever gonna be on sale again. But what I learned through reading Contagious is that a lot of that is just promotional. And the, the discounted prices are already, they're discounted prices to hyped up prices already. So mm-hmm. like, so, it still, puts, it still puts the business uh, at, uh, uh, in, uh, they have a vantage point over the consumer because we're not looking for the original cost of the product. We just get enticed because it says it's 40% off. Is 50% off, it's 80% off, but, you know, it's typically 40% off, 50% off of something that was already marked up 80%, so they're not losing out on anything, so, and yeah, I don't know about
1: I learned- it. No, the No, the, the, you, you were mentioning about the ability, marketing, marketing encompasses so much more than just, like, advertising, like, marketing encompasses all of your communication, and what you're talking about in terms of you know, being able to get that message to a person and make them do a thing, you know, is, is 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 one aspect of it. But the other aspect of it is also understanding all of the stuff behind it that you're going to have to move. You know, your, your supplier may be offering it to you for 50% off because he's got a whole warehouse full of this stuff. And, you know, they count on you being just an individual making that decision. Um, whereas they the 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 target that you go to, they negotiate for four or five hundred different stores, so they get that leverage. And as that those goods make it through the supply chain, they add on and they add on and they add on. And by the time they get to you, just like you said, you know, even if you're getting a sale, they're still getting a profit no matter what. So you know, understanding how to leverage, you know, yourself as an individual and also your community is can be a key um, bargaining point. When it comes to improving your wealth, your economics, you know, a lot of that, and that was one of the reasons why I sent uh, the the tipping point to you, you know, because there is there is value in understanding how to leverage your entire group. How do you how do you how do you bring everybody together? And it might not not always be so simple as crafting the right message. You might need to find the right messenger, and it might not always be the person that everybody's looking for um sometimes those people that make things go viral aren't like they don't care about making it go viral they just are obsessed with a particular thing and other people pay attention to what they're doing um so understanding the community you're in is really really essential and when it comes to a marketing standpoint you know making sure the consumer doesn't understand that is 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 in the business's best interest
0: yeah. That's crazy. It's cr- You said making sure the consumer doesn't understand. No, that.
1: no, absolutely not. <laughs>
0: <Go over something.
1: laughs> yeah. No, no, no. We don't want you to know any of those things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think after watching that book, uh, it has forever changed the way that, you know, uh, I purchase things. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, one, you know, uh, Dave Ramsey uh, always says, he says, uh, he says, give it the 24 hours, the 24 to 48 hour rule. He says, we are such emotional uh, uh, purchasers or buyers. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, never make uh, uh, anything over $300. He was just like, never just buy it on the spot because you see it, right? Mm-hmm. He said, oh, 24 hours to 48 hours and then come back to it. Don't be worried about whether well or not so you're going to miss out on the sale because you don't want to end up with buyer's remorse. So he's just like, you know, In terms of just making emotional or irash decisions about our purchasing, you know, I have now uh, learned to be a better uh, 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 consumer. I've learned to shop around. You know, I've learned to negotiate. I used to have horrible negotiating skills. So, you know, but uh, those things matter.
1: Now, you'd be surprised how how much goes into, you know, you talk about it being emotional. You know, that's why they play certain types of music when you go into certain types of stores. You know, when you get on a cruise, when you smell that fragrance wafting to you around the casino, you know, they chose that specifically to make you feel a certain way when you walk in there. You know, every aspect of of in in controlled environments like that is fine-tuned, workshopped, reevaluated over and over again to make sure that that, that you're feeling all of the emotions that they want you to feel to be able to make that decision. Um, and like, I like to tell people all about these little details because it was mind blowing to me to find out how much actually goes in to making sure you get to the right place from you know the way that they place things within a store to make sure that you're walking in a particular way. You know, it, it gets deep, it gets really deep. Yeah,
0: man. Let me see, let me see. Um... Uh, one of the things I actually want to go back to, uh, especially uh, uh, surrounded around uh, Black Men Bill, um, is because uh, gun violence is something that's near and dear to my heart. So it's it's a question that I uh, that I always like to bring up, um, and in this regard, uh, as it pertains to uh, our hometown, the city of Albany or the Capital District area. Uh, but as you know, living in Miami and myself living down here in the D.C. metro area, it's something that extends uh, uh, way further than that. But um, my, my next question for you, Josh, is uh, how have you been uh, affected by gun violence?
1: Um, well, actually, I had a friend, a childhood friend that was killed um, in a break and an entering. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only that, but, you know, as we were coming up in high school, things changed immediately. You know, once the mid '90s to late '90s started coming around, you know, it started becoming more difficult to move around the city out of fear. You know what I mean? You know, you you can't go and see certain people. You know, you can't have certain discussions. You can't be around certain people because things could go left. Um, For me personally, um, it's 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 a challenge. It's 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 a very very big challenge. But I think a lot of it comes from our inability to kind of control the reality that we're in, you know what I mean? For all intents and purposes, we were living in a fishbowl in Albany, mm. you know, the, the, you, you can't get out. Like, like your, your world is very small. Like the only thing that you know is the person that's in front of you. The only thing that you feel is the last thing that you felt, the last anger you felt the, you know, the, it's, it's not a full whole, uh, holistic type of experience. Mm. And I, I, I kind of learned that when I left Albany and came back. You know, I I was gone for I was gone for quite a few years and I came back with a different set of eyes and I started to see that that environment is unhealthy. You know, so when you see these people, when you see these kids acting out, when you see these deaths, you know, there's a there's a a rush to want to blame the individual. But, you know, a lot of people are dealing with mental health issues. A lot of people are dealing with an inability to manage their own emotions because you're not supposed to have them. You got to put them away. So they exhibit themselves in explosive ways, you know? So like what you were doing with model, bringing people together to talk, you know, I think, I think that goes a long way. You know, I, I, I can only imagine how many people benefited from not having conflicts because you brought these people together, yeah. you know? But I, it, it's, it's, a, it's a sore spot for me because it makes our entire environment uncomfortable. I agree, you know, I agree. You know,
0: I agree. You know, down here
1: and down here in Miami you've got you know you, you have, it, it goes along all over the country you have gentrification going all over the country where people are being moved from place to place and you're being moved into an, an area where you don't know people and it causes natural conflict because you don't know people and you're not comfortable with them and you may have had a problem before but now you're in the neighborhood hmm. you know it's 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 a very volatile situation
0: I, I agree, and I think that um, it has worsened as a result of the pandemic. Um, you know what I mean, because everyone is on edge. a lot of people are in the house. Um, um, I also think that uh, you know from some of the some of the things and some of the people I know that a lot of the the money that came in through stimulus money and what it was used for. Mm-hmm. Man, there's been a lot of gun purchasing. Right. And just last just last week alone, I might have had like three different conversations just about Albany alone. And I want to say it was like different people getting picked up that had like seven, eight guns at a time. I think uh, there was an article last week that I read and it was just like it was six or seven different people mentioned in this one article that they had picked up with guns. So it's just like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a global pandemic. It's a, it's a, it's a global gun gun violence is a, is a, is a global problem. It's a national problem. It's the worst for us here in the United States than any other place, uh, um, around the world, but it's a safety issue. Mm -hmm. It makes you want to, uh, uh, go to certain areas. It makes you, uh, it makes your inability to, to think, outside of that immediate danger zone right just mm-hmm. like took you to get outside of albany to realize that there was other ways of handling things and seeing things right same thing for me when i got outside of albany i just realized that i wasn't only limited to lex or Dunton or you know what i mean it was just like a well, swan street you know it's a whole other world out here right yeah, so for sure. charlotte and it was just like oh okay so then you come back you come back refresh your eyes and you want to, and, and you want to invite everyone else on the experience with you, because you know that once you turn on their light bulb, once you expose yeah. something else, now you know that it's a possibility, not just in a book, it's someone you know, like, I know Josh, and I mean, Josh did this, right, I know Rel, Rel did this, right, and it's just like, you know, it helps to make it more of a um accessible uh, reality when you start to see people that look like you that are uh have navigated uh their way uh, mm. out of
1: there yeah so i'm, I'm me personally i'm i'm, I'm kind of mixed you know when it comes to I, I have very strong opinions about violence in our communities but on the other hand full disclosure i'm i'm a gun owner like i i believe in the rights of bear arms and i believe that there's a misunderstanding within our community about this you know what I mean? I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, you got people that go out and get 15 guns and then they bring them back and then they wind up selling them because they don't have money. And now we all have a problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so I think that there's a, a, an education gap when it comes to to firearms and also how how our, our community um, historically relates to them. Um, yes. I think there's a much bigger discussion about, why there are so many firearms that are available to get into the, into the wrong hands to people mm-hmm. that are irresponsible, to people that have their own interests in heart, but they don't ha- necessarily have their neighbor's interests in heart. Like there's a mm-hmm. very big discussion to be had around that. Um, and, you know, it's much too long for this comment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I'm, glad you said it. I'm glad you said it because I, there's nothing wrong with gun ownership, you know what I mean. So I'm glad that you said that. I'm glad that you are an advocate for it. Most of my friends own guns legally, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like you know, I choose to stay away from it myself uh, because of my my history with it. You know, I don't I don't need anything that I might be able to use. So you yeah. know, everyone's got everyone's got to know themselves. But I I'm got glad you. That you. Right, and it it's like um because it, it's very important for people to know that yes, it is part of it's one of the uh, your constitutional rights, right, and and you should be, and I think some of it uh, spills out into all of these things, like you said, it's too, uh, a too, uh, a too big of a conversation uh, uh, to, 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 to dive into here, but I'm glad that you just said it, it was like, it's not just guns itself that are the problem, sometimes it's, is uh, how people get access to it, sometimes it's the evaluations of people, whether or not they should be eligible to get the guns, but it is, Problem for for most of our communities and it it, it affects us greatly, which is why it's mm. a conversation dear to my heart. Because absolutely, I want our communities to thrive. I want us to be able to have ownership rights to have whatever the hell you want to. But I want me, I, I want to be able to be safe.
1: Mm.
0: If I ain't if I ain't doing nothing uh, uh, to bring danger my way, you know what I mean? Don't be bringing it over here either. So you know. nah, for
1: sure, for sure. I mean, I, I I remember I remember how I remember how wild it used to become. To get it to go to the new courts yeah you know I wasn't a baller but you know you you it became a point where you go there things could go really really loud yeah. you know um and I, I I think that that that's more of a function of the health of our community you know we got a lot of work to do with our people
0: and, and that's and that's what we're doing that's what you're Absolutely. doing with black men Bill which is yeah. uh, which is uh, one of the other Uh, 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 dope pieces about your story is that oftentimes we'll hear of people who are doing well, we'll hear of people who might have uh, 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 left a particular area, in our case we'll say Albany, and they're disconnected from the community, they're disconnected from giving back, and uh, it's apparent that that isn't um, uh, on your mind, right, Uh, uh, to be disconnected, right, you're one of the most engaged uh, 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 people uh, I, I definitely see on this platform uh, as well, right? So it's something that's important to you. It's something that you're doing in your community there uh, uh, in Miami as well, and also being um, uh, uh, inter, uh, interconnected with all your other hubs. So it's important for us to stay involved. It's important for us to stay engaged, as I like to say uh, mm-hmm. when I open uh, uh, all of my interviews, because we are going to be the change that we seek right? We can't keep waiting for everybody else to go ahead and do it. There are issues that are in our community, and it's going to take black, brown individuals to be a part of those conversations, to be a part of those dialogues, to bring about the changes. Uh, and it made me think about, I know the Super Bowl just passed. Yeah. It make me think about how bad everyone always wants to criticize uh, Jay-Z. Yeah, I'm going to uh, uh, shout out to mm. and, my, and my man, Paul Kane, on this, because uh, the two of us, uh, the three of us argue about this all of the time. Yeah, um, you know, Jay-Z is now uh, strategically at a table that we typically haven't been a part of, haven't been able uh, to do it. That's, but everyone ends up focusing in on, you know what I
1: mean?
0: <laughs> you know, the best he ever did was the Super Bowl, but you gotta be in a strategically position to help bring about a change and, and not just from an emotional uh, uh, shock value. It's like, oh, you didn't do nothing yet, or you didn't do nothing that I know of, right? But you know, uh, it takes people uh, uh, that we can relate to to help to bring our stories to larger audiences where we can actually make a difference. And I think he is, you know.
1: But I don't, I don't know, bro. I mean, like, like for me, for me, like, I, I respect, I respect the skill, I respect what he does, but the long-term effects of the value of his representation has yet to be seen. Okay. You know, realistically, realistically, yes, you're at the table. But when you're at that table negotiating, are you negotiating for me? Are you negotiating mm-hmm. for mine? You know, mm-hmm. or or do, do you just make it so that I have something to talk about when I go to work? I mean, if if he's at that t- table and he is making that change, I mean, there is reason to believe that that is the case. I can make an argument against. But like I said, time, time will tell. Um, <laughs> Time will tell, but, you know, regardless of, of how I feel, you also do have to respect him getting to where he did. You know, you right. don't get there. If you don't, you gotta, you, you have to respect that. Um, but again, it's, it's, it's one of those things that time will tell whether or not you're sitting at that table negotiating your own benefit or you're benefiting the rest of our community. And if, to me, if you're, you know, it was one of the things that kind of got to me. Like, you know, I started feeling disconnected from my community. You know, if you're not doing it for your community, then there's no reason for me to celebrate you. If I'm not doing it for my community, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether or not I'm making more money. And you can put me on your senses and say, yeah, this black person is making more money than whatever. You know, it's it has no value to my community. All it has is value on the paper. So I'll I'll put a pin in in Jay Z <laughs> for the time being. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. I, I
0: have <laughs> faith in my boy Hov he's right here up here behind. Me. Uh, no so
1: doubt.
0: The proof is in the pudding is where you mm-hmm. go with that one. So uh, sure. uh, you know, a, a person at uh, uh, at his level has uh, has no no major benefit other than. Uh, to continue to get uh, a more um, a material wealth or, or to, to grow his already billionaire uh, legendary status. But, you know, when you look at a person for what it is that, uh, that who they are, Jay always said, you know, everybody around me, I made millionaires. Now what a person actually chose to do as a result of the opportunities that came about them, that's not all on me. And that's not to say my man is perfect because I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a fan, so you know I hear all of the gripes about him too. <laughs>
1: I'm not gonna bring. I'm, I'm not. I'm not gonna bring. I'm not gonna bring beans into this conversation. I left. Uh, I'm gonna leave that to the side. Yeah, so thank you.
0: you. <laughs> <'Cause> he, <laughs> man, my next question for you is this: uh, Success looks different for for all of us. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. we all have our own definition of success. But I'm interested in knowing for you, Josh. Uh, how would you define success what does success look like for you
1: so for me like i don't think i don't really think about it in terms of success but if i if i were to think about it my only goal when it comes to to life is to be able to and to be able to eat what i want when mm. i want and in order to do that a lot of things have to happen you know it, you know there's there's a financial element that has to happen i have to have the free time to be able to do it and all of that stuff takes work, you know, so it might be a small thing to be able to eat whatever I want, whenever I want, but all of the work that goes into being able to make that a, a, a possible reality um, is, is, is high. It, it depends, you know, so for me, as I'm going through, as I'm doing the work, as I'm building myself and building others, you know, if I can free up some time for me and be, be able to eat what I want. For me, that's success, you know, finding a balance. I think one of your one of your panelists spoke about, you know, temporarily making an imbalance in your life, you know, to achieve specific goals. For me, I like to maintain that balance. Sometimes, sometimes it gets thrown off. Sometimes it gets thrown off temporarily, but you know, having that balance means me being able to sit down and, and, and make that spaghetti sauce that I like. You know, for me, that's success.
0: Okay, okay. Listen, I love your answer. And, you know, uh, 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 me and all of my close friends, as well as my wife, we have these debates all of the time, right? Because mm. um, for some people, they may not, uh, they may say, you know, uh, um, uh, I have aspirational goals, but some people may say, I don't have enough, right? And it'd be the small things that matter to me. So like when you just said, having the monetary means to be able to eat what you want when you want it, if you wanted to, is really, really big for me. You know, what I mean coming from a place where I didn't have money all of the time, right? Or, you know, we didn't know what we were going to eat, or if I might be overdosing on popcorn because that's the only available thing to go ahead and eat yeah. it. You know what I mean, so understanding that there's levels to it, right? And each time as, as Nipsey Hustle said, you know, he had all of these goals for himself. And uh, he didn't expect to reach at a particular point, but he reached him. So he had to sit back down and and and, and rewrite all of his goals moving forward, mm-hmm. right? But so one of mine is just like yours. Being able to eat exactly what I want, to not have to to to, to stress about money, right? And mm-hmm. uh, topic that a lot of the interviewees uh, 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 and I talk about is just understanding the difference of financial literacy, right? And yeah. it's just like, what what it looked like for our parents and our parents' parents is different than what it looks like for us now. We're talking about financial literacy. We're talking about therapy. We're talking about traumas, right? And all of these things have typically been taboo in our community, Absolutely. which is so important to have a safe space That what you guys are building uh, through Black Men Build as well. To have those safe spaces, to have those conversations, and to realize that the more we have the conversations, the more impact we really do have on other people.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, and I, I'm not going to ask you that question because, uh, yeah, I'm not going to ask you that question. next question about, uh about uh, finding finding a balance. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> shout, out <laughs> shout out to my man, Phil, uh Phil Thomas, and Phil Amon Speaks for giving that answer before. Yeah, so yeah, that- yeah. He asked, man. Let me see. Um, thinking about your uh, your younger self, thinking mm. about the version of you, Josh. What is something that, knowing what you know now, uh, you wish someone would have told the younger Josh?
1: Some things take time. Some things you can't change. Some things you just gotta wait out. You know, everything has a season. Mm. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it's the season for you to go through those things. And it doesn't matter how hard you try, it doesn't matter how hard you pray, it ain't gonna go, you know, it goes when it's time for you to go. So if I were to tell myself, my younger self is patience, you know, because having not having patience and hoping and praying and pushing to get things that are realistically impossible at the time, You know, it it adds stress that you don't need that you could be using using your time to do something else. Mm. So yeah, for me, it would definitely be take your time. Okay,
0: okay. Yeah, it makes me think about uh, uh, Ecclesiastes. You know, it's one of my favorite uh, passages in the Bible, but there's a season for everything. A season Mm
1: -hmm.
0: for love, a season for healing, a season for growing, a season for reaping. It's a season for everything. And you can't skip those seasons.
1: No, right? no, you can't,
0: and that, you can't skip them. You, you got to take the good with the good and the bad with the bad. And I think it's all character development. So I love what you said because so many people see like the end result of, of where a person is at, but you might not appreciate the journey along the way, uh, the ups, the, the ebbs, the ups and downs of what the person had to go through to, to to get to where they are right now. But that's all part of the journey and you can't skip it. You gotta yeah. embrace and accept the death. You got. You have to accept the losses. You gotta accept the wins. You gotta accept all of these different things, and uh, you have a greater appreciation. Uh, yeah, I like that. You have a greater yeah, appreciation. I,
1: uh, yeah, absolutely. Like you know, I, I I wind up talking to people. Like a lot of people see the things that I do when I'm outdoors. You know, I'm I like I'm exuberant. You know, for me and. For you and probably a lot of people, you know, we had to essentially grow up before we were supposed to. You know, we couldn't necessarily have the childhood that, uh, that the people that we encounter today had. So for me, I'm joyous in everything that I do because I couldn't do it then, you know. So even if, even, even if you don't get a chance to take that season in, you know, there's also a time to nurture your own growth. You know, if you don't get the chance to do it, then you take time to do it later on. That way, you become more whole. You know, it's 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 a balancing act. Okay,
0: okay, okay. Well, listen, man, I think I'm gonna uh, uh, my 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 final question. I might you one more. Let me see. Okay. Up. But uh, I can't let you go without without asking you this. This was my favorite question from season one that I brought back into season two as well. Uh, what is your favorite place to visit? in the capital district area and why?
1: So my favorite place in the capital district doesn't exist anymore. Mm. So so it doesn't exist anymore. So, what? Uh-huh. no, 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 and so, so there was a hill. So in North Albany projects, you know, it was on a hill. And mm. as you would go up the hill, it was very steep leading up into Livingston. And there was a place where you could sit on the third level you could sit on that hill and you can look out over the Hudson Valley, over in Detroit and Rensselaer. And on a really clear night, you could see all the stars or whatever. So that was my favorite place, like, in the world. But when they came and, you know, tore down the projects, it disappeared. So number two, I guess, would be Tivoli Lakes.
0: Tivoli Lakes. Okay. Okay. Have, have you been back to it since I, they've actually
1: Yeah, I, I have. It's, it's, it's not home. It's, it's not, it's not the same man. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's like the Brady Bunch to me. Like okay. it's, 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 it's not what I remember. I went back, look, I went back look, specifically not, for that like, hill, bro.
0: Yeah. It is not what you remember. But for me, yeah. that's a, because yeah. I actually, it has quickly become probably my favorite hangout spot because one yeah. is right at my house there. Uh, so, you know, I can I can walk outside and go right down the street. And, you know, now they named it after my mentor who passed away. So shout out to brother Yusef Burgess. Uh, but, yo, I remember going to Tivoli Lake's uh, 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 Patroon Creek, whatever you want to call it, uh, uh, back then. But mm-hmm. to see it now and to no, see it, it. It's, listen, it's yeah. leaps and bounds. It's just like the experience is, 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 is so nice. And you can also, uh, because it's it's so developed now, the pathways are developed, um, uh, the places you can sit down next to the water are developed, that you really do get a chance to see people that come from out of the community just to go uh, okay. uh, there. The park It's considered the second largest outdoor urban park in all of New York State. Oh wow! So, yeah.
1: So I'm gonna have to yeah I'm gonna have to touch I'm gonna have to touch that when I get when I go back. I think I'm gonna head up to Albany in March and. It's going to be a little cold, but I'm um, going to have to check that out for sure. Okay. Okay.
0: All right. All right. Let me see. And my last question for you before I let you go. I know you're a busy man, um, so thank you for giving me your time. Um, well, my last question, I'm going to let you go. Uh, Josh, what about your life's path are you most proud of?
1: That's a, that's a tough question. Um, I'm most proud of my ability to laugh. Hmm. You know, we all go through a whole bunch of stuff, you know, being black men coming from where we come from, it's very easy to lose the ability to connect with others. It's very easy to lose sight of, of what brings you joy, what brings you happiness. For me, being able to continue that is what makes me happy. Like that, that is, that is what brings me most joy in my path because it tells me I ain't going in the wrong direction. You know what I mean? Like, that's, 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 that's my North star, you know, the same thing about being able to eat what I want, like, like being happy, being able to, to find joy in my life is, is, you know, that, that's what keeps me in the right direction.
0: Okay. Okay. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. Next time I'm down your way in Miami, you have to put me on. Everything Wine uh, uh, in, uh, uh, in Miami because uh, I'm definitely going to be checking you out, um, uh, bro. I'm, I'm really excited to hear about uh, one that you do uh, uh, as your profession, but I'm equally uh, uh, inspired and happy to see that you're a part of Black Men Build because I didn't know about the organization and its existence in, 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 until you actually put me on it. And I think that we need more spaces uh, just like that. Um, and it, it allows us to, to grow as a community. It allows us to heal as a community and provide our own resources as a community. Absolutely. Shout out to you guys and, and, uh, and those brothers uh, 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 throughout the nation, because I know you guys got hubs all over the place and the work that you're doing. Um, but I, I really wanted to say uh, salute to you guys.
1: For sure. No, definitely. Thank you. I, you know, I appreciate you having me on, man. Um, I've been watching what you're doing for a while. Again, I can't, I can't stress enough how inspirational it is to watch brothers like you being able to give back and create that footprint that somebody else can follow. Like, it, there ain't a lot of people that can do it. There ain't a lot of people built to be able to do it. So to see you being able to step up into that, it's, it's amazing, man. So, you know, shout outs to you, for sure, for sure.
0: Thank you very much, man. I truly appreciate it. Uh, and and I won't, uh, I won't let you go. Uh, 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 I won't hold you any longer. But hey. back to me. Uh, I think, uh, 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 let's thank uh, uh, Josh McLeod. Josh, thank you very much for giving me your time. I can't wait to get your story out to the people, bro. Continue to do great things. I wish you nothing but continued success, man. But I'll play catch up with you later.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thank you, brother.
0: My boy. Peace.
1: Boy.